Toxic culture is the number one reason why people say they've left their jobs. According to an MIT study, whether it's a micromanaging boss or an unhelpful team, toxic work environment can make it dreadful to go to work on Mondays and prevent you from doing your best works. And marketers have it worse. Everyone has an opinion on what the marketing team should be doing, which means people could become overcritical and sometimes abusive to marketers. So how do you avoid working in a toxic environment? One way is to nip it in the bud early by asking smart interview questions. Remember, you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you. That's where Sarah Pian comes in. She's worked as a marketing leader at some of the fastest growing tech startups, including Dandy, Voiceflow, Alice, and Drift. And she's seen way too many marketers get burned by toxic environment. Here's why. Yeah, I unfortunately think this is a very common occurrence, especially because out there are a lot of leaders out there who think that they have a concept and a grasp of what marketing is. And then if a leader comes in and it does not, their ideas do not align with their ideas, there's going to be a lot of friction. Ultimately, the CEO in that situation usually believes that they are correct. And that's why the average tenure for marketing leaders is under two years. Today, Sarah shares her five interview questions that every marketer should ask to avoid working at a toxic work environment. In this Marketing Power-Ups episode, you learn first, red flags to watch out for during the interview process. Second, questions to ask interviewers about work culture. Third, how to get out of a toxic work environment. And number four, one power-up that's helped Sarah accelerate her career. But before we get started, I've created a free power-ups cheat sheet that you can download, fill in, and use Sarah Pion's five interview questions. You can go to marketingpowerups.com now to get it or find the link in the description and show notes. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. So our chat's going to be around really about uh, how marketers can spot red flags, especially during interviews. Uh, early in my career, I've had situations where I missed that red flag, joined a startup, had a CEO, ended up screaming at everybody in the company, including marketing, and I lasted only six months. And I left just because I felt like I was, you know, not treated like a human at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking with other marketers. It seems like this is not an isolated incident, like where marketing is treated that way. I'm curious if you hear heard the same thing with other marketers you've talked to, uh, have similar experience like this. Yeah, I unfortunately think this is a very common occurrence, especially because There are a lot of leaders out there who think that they have a concept and a grasp of what marketing is. And then if a leader comes in and it does not, their ideas do not align with their ideas, there's going to be a lot of friction. Ultimately, the CEO Mm. in that situation usually believes that they are correct. Mm. And that's why the average tenure for marketing leaders is under two years. Mm. Uh, But I think also there is a lot of smoke and mirrors in startups where CEOs will say a lot to get people to join their company and then kind of true colors are revealed after the fact. And you'll usually know by three months in, if not before, like, oh, this isn't the place I thought it was. And I call it the ick, similar to like how people get the ick in dating of once you get the ick for the company that you work for, you, it's really hard to reverse it. It's really hard for the company as a whole to kind of reverse their behavior. And usually you have like maximum a quarter once you get the ick mm. before you 
head on out. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me. Three months <laughs> in, I felt the ache. Within three months, I uh, essentially left that situation just because, once again, like it, it was not a good situation to be at. Mental health was uh, definitely damaged with that. I'm curious why why you think that it's marketing it's once again like you know talking about more other marketers who joined startups this is not uh an isolated incident why is that it seems like it's you know engineering and support um is i'm not entirely sure i've never worked in that field uh but you know like it seems like it's not as as a huge of an occurrence as it is with marketers who are taking advantage of more often than not yeah i think there's a level of there are different levels of respect for those functions within an organization that also coincides with uh, how much the founders or CEOs or leadership in general cares. And so unfortunately, I think support is lower on the leadership caring list for them to pay <laughs> so much attention right. to every single process and every single macro and every single experience that you have with the customer. They just want to see CSAT customer support ratings. Having worked in support, it is the most important role in an organization and often overlooked by a lot. Engineering, on the other hand, there's a ton of respect. Most of non-technical leadership has no idea how to do an engineer's job. So they're like, do it. (laughs) We're going to leave you alone. Do it. Here's a ton of money. Here's all the shares of our company. We trust you so much. Love you so much. Goodbye. (laughs) And it is visible in a sense, but like if you're a backend engineer, you're building systems and databases. Mm. They don't see that, but they know it's necessary to run. Marketing is incredibly visible at Mm. every single point and inflection point of a company and a customer's journey. And it's very simple. Marketing as a concept is simple, but it's not easy. Mm. And so there's a level of like trust of a CEO or leadership who doesn't understand marketing that is essentially like, I could do this better than them as well as they care a lot about how the market perceives them. And sometimes that care and how a leader perceives the importance of their business is not aligned with how the market Mm -hmm. sees their business. And bad CEOs don't like being told no or that they're wrong or that they don't see the market in a way that is aligned with like actual data. (laughs) So I've worked with, Companies where like the CEO has an inflated sense of importance of the of the product and the company had a really hard time closing deals because the price of the product didn't represent mm-hmm. the functionality you got, but that was somehow a marketing problem because we couldn't mm-hmm. position it correctly. When it was really like an engineering product marketing, product market fit problem. Mm-hmm. But it's really easy to point a finger at the people who own the website and at the people who own the ads and at the people who own community engagement right. and say, you're doing a bad job. Because then you have to, you don't have to be introspective and be like, did I start a company that might not be necessary in the market? Because mm. that's a harder question than why yeah. <laughs> is our closed rate 2%, you know? Right. <laughs> it's so, that's so true. I mean, I think it's uh, the people's you know, desire to be more like Steve Jobs, where he has this field of distortion, where, you know, <laughs> there's reality and here's the perception of the founder and like, they just have to distort the field enough to make people believe it. And if it doesn't happen, like who's the first one to get blamed? Yeah. Uh, it's usually the one who is, um, you know, who's front and center, uh, usually marketing and sales is, is the yeah. who they're going to blame for that. It's easy. It's easy to blame marketing and sales. Hmm. 
what I'm hearing is that it's uh, a big part of the problem is, you know, uh, it's on the leaders, on the founders uh, who have this um, unexpected, you know, who, who have, uh, you know, a, a perception of what marketing can and can't do. And it's sometimes incorrect. Uh, before somebody, a marketer can come in, I, I want to I hear some of your tips and advice, especially, first of all, around red flags on mar- what marketers should be looking out for so that they can avoid situations where they see you're, they join a toxic company and then end up, ed- ending up having to stay for two years just so that they can have uh, it on the resume <laughs> and yeah. be, move on to the next one. Or uh, in my situation, leaving after just uh, six months. So like, what are some red flags that you would advise um, marketers to to look out for um, specifically uh, within the leadership or even within anything within the company to to um, to make sure that they don't join a toxic company. Yeah, I would say there's having worked at really early stage startups before, like post Series A, pre Series B startups. There's a really common occurrence of like technical founders who have career pathing and visions and goals for their engineering and product teams and simply cannot and will not prioritize that same thing Mm. for the marketing team. And you can't necessarily ask like, will you prioritize my career growth? Because people, people will say yes. (laughs) Um, But you can ask like, what measurement processes do you have in place today, right now, not for when I come in, but like right now, this very second to understand the success of and evolution of this body of work. Because if they have not prioritized looking into marketing and understanding what those goals are, they're going to lean on you to tell them. And then whatever they you say that they don't like, they're not going to agree with if they're a toxic CEO. Mm. So they haven't even put the thought in place of how you will be measured and gold and how they will view your success. And it's going to be up right. to you to define that. That's going to be an easy way for a CEO to disagree with the way that you've decided to measure the function that you have been given, which is not great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I would also say having a vision for your team that aligns Mm. with the state of your team right now. If you are a post series A company expecting the output of a series D Mm. company, You are kind of crazy. (laughs) Like that is not like, that is just not realistic. Uh, And that's a great way for your team to, to burn themselves out in incredibly fast. And you can't say, and again, you can't ask the question of like, Hey, are you going to treat us like a post series D team? (laughs) Like, yes or no. (laughs) That's not, that's not great, but you can always ask like, who are your company role models and how do you expect your team today to emulate that work? Mm. Because if you're expecting the same output from a content team of 10 to a content team of a hundred, that's not realistic. But if you're expecting X percent growth, that's aligned with the previous growth of that team when they were, when they went from one to 10, that's realistic. Mm. That's based off of data and not just based off of some arbitrary number in your head that sounds great. And then you get to say it to the board and then you have to hold a marketing team to it. And they're going to look at you like you're speaking tongues. (laughs) 
That makes sense. So, um, yeah, you got the first one uh, you mentioned is around like making a career path for marketers. Second is uh, they make sure that their expectation is set for the level of the company. Uh, I believe there's a third one that you that you have uh, shared before. Yes. Um, trying to figure out if the CEO or a leadership team actually believes in marketing mm. uh, and trusts, and you'll you'll be you'll enter the organization with trust. Mm. Um, because a lot of leadership teams are like, yes, we need marketing, but no, not like that. No, not like that either. <laughs> no, not like that either. That's the wrong kind of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, you're doing marketing wrong. You're just like, okay, you do it then. Um, you can ask to get a sense of like how flexible and trusting they are with their employees. Um, like, can you give me an example of how employee feedback was implemented at a business level? Mm. Because if you're open to receiving feedback from any level of employee at a bis- at the full business level, you'll be okay with me coming in and saying, I cannot promise you pipeline with my, within my first six months here. And mm-hmm. here are the reasons why. You won't look at me like I should have never hired this person. You'll look at me like I trust that you are the expert in this field mm-hmm. and I'm going to take right. your word for it. That, make, that makes a ton of sense. Are there any questions that you would ask around, um, do they understand marketing? <laughs> like just be, be just basic. What does, what is marketing? <laughs> what, do like, you, is what it, does marketing mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say I would like similar to the first question of like, what are the measurement processes mm, that you put in place? Right. Um, like how will you, how will you measure my success here? Because sense. if it's always going to be pipeline, but it's not going to be like share of voice or, you know, like overall engagement, then you want a demand gen person. You don't want a marketing leader because the CMO should not just be responsible for pipeline, but they should also help with brand recognition. I should be able to look in Gong to see how many people mention our organic social channels because that's how they heard of us first. Or they engaged with like affiliates or partners or or something along those lines where the other marketing initiatives that have been done besides direct response demand gen is still important to you as a founder. And so asking them like what channels do you think your company would like like should focus on and if they say all of them bad that's so true right um but if they also say you know like we want someone who's always on the cutting edge always the person who's trying like every new channel and every new thing you're never going to build a solid foundation to have space and room and repeatability for experimentation Mm. 80 percent of your marketing should really be focused on building the foundations like your seo your content distribution not just promoting con or writing content, but making sure it's distributed places that you want it to. You have a marketing automation platform. You have the right kind of data that helps with sales discovery. You have like a brand voice, you have positioning, all that needs to come before you can try out UGC on TikTok. Mm. That makes sense. <laughs> but if you only want me to focus on TikTok, I'm going to ask a, a few follow-up questions because I, because I don't agree, <laughs> especially with earlier stage companies where the foundation has not been set. Hmm, that makes sense. 
I love how the questions you've been asking uh, that you're suggesting marketers ask is around setting expectation. Like you're setting expectation about the career path, setting expectation about the goals. You're setting ex- expectation about what marketing can and can't do and what marketing should be doing. Is that, that's essentially what, what I'm hearing is like, um, you know, set, when you set the expectation, uh, you know, instead of saying yes to everything, uh, you're more likely to be uh, not accepted in a toxic environment or you're joining a company that actually understands what marketing can and can't do. That's what I'm hearing. Is that is that right? Yeah. I mean, if you are interviewing for a company and you see that the CEO is really just looking for a yes person, like mm. someone who will agree with them at every step, and you're okay with that, join that company. Heck yeah. But if you want to be... <laughs> Go for it. You know, like who am I to tell you what to do with your life? But if you want to join a company where you get trust, autonomy, respect, trying to suss out, like, are you looking for someone to agree with you or are like, how comfortable are you with like disagreements or like me pushing back on your ideas? Like, is that, is open communication? That's kind of a question that you can ask was like, when has employee feedback been implemented at a business level? Like how comfortable are you receiving feedback? Because as a CEO, you are a leader, but you are not an expert in every single area of the business. Do you recognize that? (laughs) Like that is why you hire people. You are not just like a one man band. If you're trying to bring in other people, you have to trust and respect them. Mm. That's true. And I feel like actually pushing back a little bit from, from my experience actually helps them, helps other people respect you more because <laughs> then you're, 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 they're hiring you for, they're hiring the marketer because they have more experience in marketing and them yeah. saying, Hey, this doesn't make sense. Them, totally. They, they probably, I would respect that. Right. Yeah. I did. If you're able to set boundaries and like expectations in a, you know, in a polite but stern way, people will see you as like, oh, this person knows what, what they're doing. Um, as well as, you know, if someone comes to you with like, hey, we need to do this right now at this very second. Being able to say, these are the priorities of the team right now. I can reprioritize this. Mm-hmm. What do you think is most appropriate to get bumped? And then they can see how their request is aligned with what the team is actually working on. And they can see for themselves that, you know, asking for title case versus you know, sentence case on the headline of a single page may not be most impactful right now at this very second. Like we'll get to it. We're not going to prioritize it this hour today, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe next week. Um, but yeah, so like being able to, to communicate, like, thank you so much for, for looking out for us. This is what we're working on right now. It actually may be something that is impacted by the work that we're doing down the line. Here's where we're at in terms of status does this need to be uh, like, finished today, tomorrow, next week, this yeah. month, etc.? Makes uh, that makes a ton of sense. Before we continue, I want to thank those who made this video possible. Forty Two Agency. Now, when you are in scale up mode and you have KPIs to hit, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups, and it's a lot to handle. Demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and even more. That's where Forty Two Agency, founded by my good friend Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWell, Teamworks, ProtSocial, and HubDoc build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing problems at a fraction of the cost of in-house, 
look no further. Go to 42agency.com to talk to a strategist to learn how you can build a high efficiency revenue engine now. You can find that link in the description below. Let's jump back in. Uh, those are great questions. I, uh, do you have any other questions that marketers should be asking, especially in light of you know what's happening in in the tech world with you know layoffs and stuff like that? Uh, what are other questions that m- people should be asking the, the company that they're joining so that they're not uh, they don't join a toxic company? <laughs> again. Yeah. Uh, what's your runway? Mm. How much money do That's you good. have right That's now? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they're unwilling to share, then probably not a lot. <laughs> um, but that's absolutely a question that you can ask. You can also ask for like, especially in startups, how many shares outstanding do you have right now? And what is, and then you can kind of assess that with the value, the latest value valuation of the company and see like, okay, if I were to get shares, X many shares, I know that they would be worth this much. And I'm getting this percentage of the company. So you're allowed to ask about things like that. Um, I would say hmm, some other questions. Um, Yeah, asking for runway is very okay. I would say if you want to get a little spicy. <laughs> That's what I was going to go for. Give me some spicy takes right <laughs> Give me this spicy Like if thing. you're really feeling like this place better be the most open and transparent place mm. that I've ever worked and right. you get to have a leadership call because it's a smaller company in your interview process and this company has done layoffs since 2020. You can say since 2020 because from 2020 to today, the market's been weird. Mm. To put it simply, (laughs) Um, my question would be, did leadership take a pay cut before they thought about doing layoffs? Like, Mm. were you looking out for your people or were you looking out for your bottom line and you were unwilling to sacrifice your way of life for your people? Because at the end of the day, a company is a company. Leaders are going to look out for themselves, but you as an employee also have to look out for yourself. So if you're joining a company who they are going to tell you or they might be telling or they might tell you or they're going to be unwilling to tell you how they look out for their people, that's a great indication of how you're going to be treated as an employee. Mm. So I would say like, you know, only if you're feeling particularly <laughs> confident that right. day, uh, I would I would I would definitely ask that question um, so that you also feel like you are making the right choice for yourself. You are interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing you. Um, Other things that you can ask for is burn rate. Like how much money are you spending every month? Mm, That's a good one too. Like, are you spending $10 million and you have 30 people? That's not, (laughs) that's that's not awesome. (laughs) Right. Yeah. True. Um, You can also ask about close rate. Like once a demo was requested, what is your close rate? You don't have to tell me how many deals you've closed this year, but what is your close rate from demo to close? If it's single digits and they're not an enterprise SaaS company, that could be an indication that there isn't a lot of product market fit there. Right. And people are like trying a little bit too hard to close a deal, especially as you're coming in. If you're coming in as a marketer, trying to convince someone to buy something they're not in the market for, and they will not be in the market for that's setting yourself up to be a scapegoat for sure. 
Um, and then churn rate and retention. Your close rate may be 75%, but if your churn rate is also <laughs> so 50%, right. Right. then the retention there is not amazing. That's and again, you don't have to ask for how many customers churned and for how much, but right. what is your churn rate? Is it, you know, 15, 20%? Like, okay, there's some work that can be done there, but you're not bleeding customers. Yeah. But if it's higher than 50%, is the product actually driving value for the customers? Is your sales team just amazing at closing and lying potentially? Right. <laughs> and that value is not being shown in the product. And if a company doesn't want to like disclose this information or they aren't tracking this information either, even at like a, an earlier stage level, that's yeah. a red flag, no, I would say. 100%. Yeah. Might even be a, another red flag if they don't know <laughs> any of those things like their close right. rate, your churn rate, like we don't know what our, our close rate is like that is uh, uh, really, really sketchy. What I'm, what I'm really hearing here is like, you, you, you mentioned it before we started recording, like as an employee, as a, somebody who's, who's being hired, you also have to be a little selfish. Like you're, mm-hmm. you have to be watching out for yourself and trying to analyze, Hey, uh, if I get hired, like I want to make sure that I'm going to be on in this company for, Many years, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just like, yeah. you know, there will be another round of layoffs, like, you know, what's happening in, in other companies. So I think that's what I'm hearing here is you're breaking down their, the metrics, the numbers, their run rate, their burn rate, so that you're, you feel a little bit secure about joining that company for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. A company and HR, this is nothing against my HR friends, <laughs> but HR is not created for, to look out for the employees. It's created to look out for the company, like legally. <laughs> but also success wise. Um, so like the company as an entity is always going to look out for the company. Mm. So if you prioritize the company over yourself, you're not going to get that same prioritization in return in a free market. It's, it would be great, but it's just not really how it works. So you have to be looking out for yourself and you have to ask these hard questions and hold companies to the standard that you want to be helped too as well. Um, Cause usually you don't join a company just to leave three week, three months later because you want to, you join a company cause you want to stick around. You want to build something. 100%. You want to get experience doing something. Mm-hmm. You want to be a part of an exciting business endeavor. Um, or you just want a job and that's fine too. Um, <laughs> but you want that job to have a level of stability as well. Mm, that's true. That makes a ton of sense. We've been talking a lot about like red flags and question to ask before a marketer joins, um, you know, red flags to avoid joining a t- toxic company. What would you, your advice be for marketers who are already in the, in that situation? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of like what they can do or like how they can structure their one-on-one with the bosses, uh, or any other advice, um, uh, that they can uh, follow along so that they can survive or, or get out of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say if you're experiencing issues, but they're not like her, like they're not giving you the ick, mm. um, they're not making your day to day and your job harder. You're not getting fought on every single thing that you're trying to do. There are ways that you can like set boundaries, have communications with your manager to alleviate those situations and create a better working environment for yourself. However, if your CEO fundamentally doesn't understand marketing, if you're being asked 
to work hardcore. I'm talking specifically hardcore. about Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. I've had a lot to say about, about how to treat your employees after right. seeing the last three weeks of Twitter. But like, if you're yeah. expected, being expected to all of a sudden work three times as hard for the same pay, mm. that's not, that's not a great environment to be in. Mm. Um, if you're, being asked to prioritize everything because quote unquote, everything is a priority. Mm. That's another argument that could feel like there isn't a winner. Um, and if you fundamentally can't learn anything from the people around you, like even if it's not a toxic environment, but you're, you feel stagnant and you want to grow. I've had conversations where I've been like, this is my career goals. And I've had leadership say back to me, we can't accommodate that. Mm. Then I'm like, thank you so much for your time. Mm. I will continue to, to work. Like, I'm not going to tell them this, but I'll be like, okay, like understood. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also like a clue to me of like, okay, this is not a place that's where I can grow. And I'm looking right. to grow right now. Mm. And that doesn't mean I didn't have incredible experiences here before up until this point, but this is now my critical point to leave. Um, but if there are fixable problems where it feels like there's just miscommunication or you feel like uh, you could have a sit down conversation with your manager because a stakeholder from another company's or another um, like department is holding you to a standard that doesn't feel correct um, or you feel as though there are issues that could be mitigated, <laughs> uh, bringing those, those things up in one-on-ones, not just as problems, but also bringing potential solutions as well. Mm, um, I'm all for like giving feedback, like managing up to be like, Hey, for next time, this is what happened. I would love if next time it could go like this. Um, and I'll also hold you to that and remind you to like, make sure that it goes like that. But it really was detrimental to how this rolled out when I wasn't included or wasn't involved or like was left out of these conversations. Um, so I would say bring those, bring those conversations up to your manager and don't be afraid to also direct your one-on-ones with your manager. So like mm. all of my managers, I've had two at, at Dandy so far and I'm like, Hey, by the way, the last one-on-one of every month, we're talking career stuff. Mm. And once a quarter, we're talking like growth planning so that they can also prepare because managers owe you career pathing. Right. If they say, I don't have that, hold them to them delivering that to you. Like there's, it's not up to you as a person also to be hundred percent responsible for your career path. Like your manager right. literally has to help you. Um, but then on the like issue side of things, like, Hey, you know, I've noticed that I'm being asked to do these things by this department. I don't think it's aligned with this. Like, can you have a conversation with their team leader as well mm. to set expectations like throughout the full team? Um, and if your manager is willing to go at bat for you, which a good manager always should, they're going to be like, absolutely no problem. I'm so sorry that people have been coming to you with that. Like I'll make sure to set expectations the right way. Like it is your manager's job to kind of like be the filter of what yeah. comes down to you and deprioritize things that you should not be prioritizing. Mm. Um, that's a sign of a good manager. There aren't as many great managers as we may want, but that's kind of where, when it comes down to you, like managing up of like, 
this is my expectation. Can you please make sure that this gets done? And then checking in on that in writing, via email, in Asana, in a public channel in Slack, not in DMs. Like making sure that there is like a traceable path to your requests um, so that it doesn't come down to like, well, we were talking about it in the DMs and it was a he said, she said kind of situation. Right. Um, But I've set boundaries and expectations for my head of marketing where I'm like, I need this by this date. If you get it to me after that date, awesome. I will include it in the second or first sprint post launch, but it will not be included in launch Mm. because I need for myself, my sanity and for like the rest of the people working on this project, we need to adhere to these deadlines. Right. And like a good manager will be like, or a good leader even will be like understood a bad leader will be like, no, (laughs) (laughs) you will implement the things when I say to implement them. Mm. Everything's a priority. (laughs) (laughs) I love what I'm hearing around like, Really, you're taking ownership of your growth. You're mm-hmm. like asking for what is the career growth within this company. Um, what I've heard is like every. I, I want to make sure I get this right because it's so good. Uh, maybe I should do. I should start doing this. Like every month, uh, last one on one of of the month, you have a career planning uh, growth, and then every quarter you have a growth discussion. Is that is that what I heard correctly? Yeah, exactly. Especially I started. I've started every company in ambiguity. Love me an early stage startup. <laughs> Never been onboarded. Like right. it's it's just like the nature of startups. And like honestly, even some larger companies that just aren't organized. But like I've had I've I've been the first person to hold my title at every company that I've worked at, which mm. means that there isn't a set 30, 60, 90. So right. that end of month is like, am I meeting the expectations? Can we talk about right. like core competencies for next month or even like next quarter? Because if you have more like a quarterly planning sort of initiative, just making sure that what I'm prioritizing day to day is aligned with what you're expecting of me. Mm. So if you're working in ambiguity and your title is head of marketing strategy, which means anything and everything, <laughs> which is what my title is, um, making sure that I can focus efforts for an extended period of time to make an impact. Because if I'm split thin, then I'm going to be making half an impact on a bunch of different places. Whereas if I can focus, I can be a lot more impactful to this organization. And even like as you grow in your career, you're getting less advice from your managers and you're instead telling them why you're prioritizing the things that you are. Mm. So like one day your your one-on-ones just kind of switch vibes. Nobody tells you that. You can't really prepare for it, but you are the owner of your channel, your whatever. Um, it's then up to you to be like, this is what I'm doing and why. Mm. And being prepared with those conversations with like data and reasoning and how you've already potentially tested why that's most important. A lot of my job is also like experimentation and being statistically significant within my decisions. So I can say like, hey, we ran the small test, hit stats egg. We're going to move forward with this because I'm 90%, 95 to 99% confident that lift was due to what I did. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> data, it's your friend. Yeah, I know. And it's a great way to use data to ask for a races too, right? I, mm-hmm. I know uh, year end is coming up. A lot of uh, companies are doing annual reviews and having that data is like, hey, um, here's what I brought to the table, you know, in terms of uh lifting the KPI. So 
Totally. And even an ambiguity where, you know, the CEO may not have defined what success looks like for you. I've had sit down conversations with like leadership and CEOs to be like, what goal can we work towards so that when we hit that, we are allocated more money, more resources in the form Mm -hmm. of headcount, raises, whatever. Like, let's all align on the metric and the output you want to see from this team so that we can work towards that. And you know, we can like send you updates and we can keep you informed and you feel as though you are, we are earning your trust to then receive compensation, headcount, budget, anything along those lines. Um, and if a CEO is like, I don't know, bit of a red flag. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing all of this, like the red flags, the questions, how to structure one-on-ones. Um, I want to shift uh, focus now and shift gears around you know, power-ups for career. Uh, for yourself, you've been in the tech industry, you started in support, now you're in marketing for the last five years. Is there any power-ups, you know, anything that's helped you accelerate your uh, your career growth? Um, we talked about the 101 already, but is there anything else that's helped you, whether that's like starting a podcast or having a network or um, uh, anything at all that's helped you power up your, your career? Yeah, I think... There's a lot of very overarching advice, especially in like the marketing world about personal branding and like building that sort of, I don't know, like initiative for yourself. Mm. I don't think it's for everyone and I don't think it has to be. Mm. Uh, You don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to post on LinkedIn. You don't have to be on TikTok. You don't have to like focus your whole life around the great work that you do. What's been the most helpful for me, especially starting my career in support learning how to be the most helpful person in the room Mm. has been like what has gotten me to where I am with the, with the network of people who will vouch for me. It's not because they like my LinkedIn post and they see them. It's because we have work together and they like the work that I do. Mm. Um, So you can write LinkedIn posts all day long, but if you're not like a fun, good, helpful, (laughs) strong employee, you're not going to have like a backing of people who've actually worked with you who are going to vouch for you. Um, and so that doesn't come with knowing everything all the time everywhere, but I am a know-it-all. So I do like to stay informed. I'm nosy. I like to gossip, but not in a bad way. I just like to know what's going on. <laughs> so I like to be the main point of contact of like, Hey, when is this launching? Mm. Or like, Hey, who should I talk to about this? I like to have that overarching concept or, uh, context so i can say oh like i know i saw this in like the marketing calendar it's going to be launched monday of next week Mm. oh i don't own that but i do know who the owner is reach out to this person and ask them specifically about this um just knowing more than like your bubble not only makes you better at your job because you have the context of what everyone else is doing but it also makes you helpful and useful and even if you do grow in your career um and you are at that higher level being a leader that people know, like, and trust internally does amazing things for your quote unquote personal brand or how people perceive you as an employee. So that's not something I'll ever stop doing. But earlier on in my career, I was also a yes person. Anything that you asked me to do, I would do so I could get the experience of doing it because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know what I wanted to focus on. Um, And so up until probably like a year or two ago, I would say yes to almost every opportunity, whether it was internally at my job or like consulting on the side. Um, And then I got really burnt out and really tired. And I was like, I have to focus on being good at my job. (laughs) Mm. No. Um, 
But especially when you're early on in your career and you think that you know what you want to do, you're going to have like five careers (laughs) in your lifetime. You don't have to be so hyper-focused on, okay, I started in support, but I need to get to marketing. I did not start at Drift in support thinking that in nine months, I need to be on the marketing team. I just became the most knowledgeable person about our product. And then the marketing person, marketing team, nine months in was like, we need someone to run Drift for Drift. Sarah knows everything. You're up. You're on the marketing team. I was like, great. Didn't want to be in support forever. This is a great (laughs) exit. (laughs) Sounds good to me. But having that visibility by being helpful is what keeps you top of mind for those opportunities to expand your day-to-day competencies. I love that. It's a uh, be the most helpful person in the room. I, I love that. Uh, I saw this ad once that said, be the smartest marketer in the room. I'm like, that's, that's not always fun. Like, I'm not no. sure if I want to be in that room, but be the most no. helpful person in the room just feels so th- at the core of marketing. I mean, you mm-hmm. want to be helpful to customers and you want to be helpful to, to other people. So thank you. Thank really thank you for, for that. Uh, in terms of uh, advice for your younger self, uh, you, if you can give yourself advice, like when you were just uh, joining uh, tech, um, what would be like one or two pieces of advice that you'd give your uh, younger Sarah, uh, the younger version of you, uh, if you could uh, go back in time and do that? The world's not going to end if you res- if you don't respond to a support chat within two seconds. <laughs> what I what I did in the beginning of my career, which was celebrated at the time, which I think is also a minor red flag, but that was just working at a hyper growth company was like being celebrated for being a quote unquote team player because I was always available all the time. Mm, And like, this is another potential red flag. If you're only a team player, when you're sacrificing your mental health and your personal time, you're not actually a team player. You're just like, the best cog in the machine. <laughs> you can, if you like, you do your best work when you are like well rested and you have time to like step away from your work because you're not thinking about it all the time. But if burnout is celebrated, red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, because support is so transactional and so on all the time, especially with chat, I would be on the train going home, responding to support chats. I would be at home watching TV with my laptop open, answering support chats. I remember talking to someone who was worried about buying Drift. And I was like, well, I'm online with you right now at 10 p.m. helping you out, you know? And she didn't even close. So it wasn't even worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Um, But like you can, you show up as your best self to work when you give yourself time and space away from work. Like find hobbies. That don't that you don't monetize. Mm. I love growing vegetables now. Mm. So fun! Right. <laughs> what a blast! Because I can just turn my brain off, and water my tomatoes, <laughs> water my peppers, like I watch it grow. Send pictures, yeah. yeah. Send pictures to my parents, like they are my children. I'm like, look at my peppers, <laughs> <laughs> and like I have time to reset my brain. I hope you learned a thing or two on how to avoid working in a toxic environment. You can follow Sarah on LinkedIn and Twitter too get some of her sweet content really love some of her threads and stuff that she posts on LinkedIn find those links in the show notes and description 
Thanks to Sarah for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com, subscribe, and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power-Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design and thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power-Ups. Until the next episode...